Hello, Racer Nation. Welcome into episode 42 of the Racer Nation podcast. This Saturday produced one of the more awesome regular season moments in recent memory with the retirement of campaign's number one jersey to the rafters to join an illustrious list of past racer legends as we hung another banner. The racers backed that up with a tremendous display on the court, knocking off UIC 81-64. And while the ending of the last week was great, we turned the page to a more difficult week in racer athletics. The tough loss to Belmont on the court and bad news off of it. Even though tough times are at hand, we know that on the other side of struggle is an opportunity an opportunity for change for the better. There's no question that the many aspects that make Racer Nation special will be on full display, as in every situation that's been handed down, they've risen to the occasion, and this is no different. The change is going to have to come, and come fast, as the Racers now face the most critical part of their schedule to date, in the midst of battles with the top teams of the NBC. The past is behind us, and this Racer team has a lot to prove for the future, as the march to arch is rapidly approaching. This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. Racer fans, welcome in episode 43 of the Racer Nation podcast. And this is going to be one of our most jam-packed episodes of the of the season so far. And there is so much we've got to talk about. Uh, like Sawyer mentioned in the intro, we've got to talk about stuff that's happened off the court. We've got two games to, to cover. We've got a huge win on Saturday with, with UIC, with campaign and half of the Phoenix Suns in the house, um, and then some disappointment at Belmont, along with what's coming up after this podcast with Indiana State coming to the bank for the first time in a long time, and us making that trip up to Carbondale, which is no doubt going to be a huge, huge game for the racers to try to steal one back on the road as they were able to come into the bank and give us our first loss loss right after Christmas um, in like 20-something games or whatnot. But uh, guys... A huge uh, news week for the racers. Unfortunately, something we haven't had to deal with in, uh, you know what, about about 10 years with the Zay Jackson situation, right? And that's that's racers doing stuff off the court that, you know, is really not becoming of a Murray State athlete and, and what, you know, the fan base has come to expect from this basketball program. And, and there's no easy way to really dive into this. Uh, you know, anytime we're, we're talking about a student athlete, um, a young kid that that makes choices uh, that have made choices that that has affected um, themselves, but also the team. It's it's really tough and a touchy subject. And you know, I think laying ground rules here. We're we're not here to judge. We're not here to place blame on anybody. We're not here to uh, you know say what's right and wrong. We'll, we'll let all that work itself out as it does in the American justice system. But I think what guys we can focus on is you know how this affects the team and and you know just just some of those comments and uh, logan i know you're always the most level-headed of us here on the podcast so um opening comments for everybody and then just dive right into your thoughts on uh the whole kenny white jr situation yeah so sawyer caught this story pretty early and nothing had really been reported yet and we kind of wanted to wait and not be the first ones to to break such bad news but um last week I was pretty transparent and this week I'm going to try and be pretty blunt as well. You know, we had Kenny Roth, uh Racer Hall of Famer on our podcast about a month ago and we were asking about the team and we brought up Kenny White and he said, you know, he's got the the ability to be the best player on the team. Um we talked about how Jacoby point blank said, "Kenny, this could be your team." Um, we can go as far as you take us. And 
he said that Kenny just has the tendency to be lazy. And we've seen that on the court. Um, you know, I had somebody message me on Facebook this week and he's a loyal listener to the podcast. He probably wouldn't mind me saying who he is, but I'm going to keep him anonymous. But he point blank said before this news came out that Kenny just is lazy sometimes. Um, we saw it in the UNI game last week. First half, plays great, nine rebounds. And then second half, disappears, just doesn't really play all that hard and doesn't get another rebound for the rest of the game. And so, uh, you know, some games he, he shows up, some games he doesn't. And it kind of makes sense that off-the-court issues were going on now that um, we've kind of been wondering, you know, how do you show up and show out some games and, and then disappear at times. But um, like you said, we love America. We love the justice system and we're not going to say anything too bad. And uh, we're going to wait for all the facts to come out. And as far as we're concerned, Kenny is innocent until pr- proven guilty. And we will uh, wait for the facts to come out. Yeah, very well said, Logan. And, and Austin, I agree with you 100 percent. You know, this is this is a tough, tough spot because, you know, I, I, I would hate if I was under the spotlight like that, you know, and being a part of. Uh, the racer men's basketball team or really any student athlete in Murray State, you're under a pretty big spotlight. And most of the time and with how great racer nation is, you know, normally it's a great thing. Um, but sometimes when you make a mistake, it, it can be uh, just just as bad the other direction. But as you mentioned, you know, we're not going to ju- cast judgment here um, at all. You know, we're not going to play that holier than thou card or act like old people, you know, screaming at the sky because that's what other people have chosen to do. Uh, over the past week, and I just don't think that's 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 the right thing to do at all. Um, and but but for Kenny's sake, you know, I think that we absolutely hope that that we can see the best out of him, that he can bounce back and be the best version of himself possible after after this. Um, because I mean, when you have an instance like this, and it can be anything in life, you know, when you have something bad happen, you can either let it define you, or you can let it be a defining moment in your life. Uh, and I really hope that. Uh, this is not something that would define define Kenny whatsoever. Uh, it won't with me, um, and I hope that you know he can use that to to make, maybe be a defining moment to to change for the better, and that's just all we're hoping for. So um, <clears throat> I think that's kind of the best best way I, I can I can think of to to kind of say it. But Austin, like you mentioned, you know we haven't had really any issues. Um, Stephen back for you know almost what ten years, like you said. And now, you know, these are college kids, so we know stuff does happen behind the scenes that doesn't always get public. But, um, you know, I really honestly appreciate how most of the, the local news nowadays kind of was very sensitive on the on the subject. I know in the past that was not the case. Um, people you were just in, in, in the previous instance that you mentioned, Austin, were very quick to throw uh, some of our student athletes under the bus. Uh, thankfully, those people who were in the, the big time media are kind of moved on from their their positions there and honestly it kind of baffles me that some of them are still around the program uh, after how uh some of those comments that were made back you know 10 years ago um but i think that you know for us personally you know like i said this is not the place for us to to cast judgment or anything and, and like i said i hope that in every situation uh the best can come of it and thankfully nobody was um you know negatively you know physically hurt or any in any manner um and that we're able to to hopefully um, use this, like I said, as hopefully a defining uh, moment that, that can, can have, you know, definite change, a defining moment, you know, in his life. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Kenny's only 21 years old. I'm sure we've all uh, 
well, probably not you guys. You guys were good kids, but um, speaking for myself, made a lot of regrettable decisions at, at that age. And like you said, Sawyer, a lot of stuff like this happens in college basketball. Uh, they just don't they sweep it under the rug or don't get caught or whatever. But um, Kenny's just a little green and he's growing up, uh, you know, still got a couple of years of college basketball left. And hopefully this is a learning experience and one where, you know, he, he works really hard, um, you know, con- contrary to what we've seen here in the past, works really hard to get back on the court and uh, ends up being the spark that the racers need. And, you know, I, saw something earlier where uh, Rob Perry was kind of telling uh, telling media that he was family and that uh, they were praying for him. And so it's good that our guys have his back. And I'm sure, you know, this is a time of need for him. It's public and it's embarrassing, but um, got to have the guys rally around Kenny and hope he comes back stronger. And sorry to one of your points about how it was treated. I mean, you know, we got the news, like you said, pretty early uh, on whatever day it was, Monday morning. And so, you know, everybody probably got it then. And, and there wasn't a rush to be the first one to put it out. So I thought that was very nice and it was handled appropriately um, in a in a public sense. But, uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of people say too, it's like, uh, you know, it's, what about all these other college kids that are getting pulled over and stuff like that? And, uh, you know, that's a great point made, but when you're an athlete, when you're especially a Murray State basketball athlete, you are held to that higher standard. I mean, that's that comes with the territory and comes with the program. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how Coach Prome handles it. You know, his first time back, he's talked all season about setting that culture, building that foundation going forward. So and I think we know there's at least a three-game suspension that, that's come with it, and we've already had one of those games, obviously. So I would expect it to – uh, linger out as it and I know that's not that that was not official from the university but just uh stuff that that we've heard but I expect that to probably be extended depending on on the circumstances but like I think you said Logan it's uh he, he's in a time of need and this is a time for his family to rally around him and he is family he's Murray State family so we all need to rally around uh Kenny to to help him get back to the best place he could be whether that's inside the program or or outside of it he's still a human being and part of that racer family and and i know he's got all three of our support to uh anything he needs to to get him back on on track yeah austin those are those are those are great points and anytime that you're hit with struggles and in instances where mistakes are made hopefully just the whole community of racer athletics the student athletes everyone on campus can just use it as a learning opportunity um, and hopefully can make the, the community and space there a, a lot more strengthened um, in trying to be together, uh, but then also trying to make sure that, that, that they understand that, that what they represent is something that's, that's big, um, but then also the fact they know that uh, this Racer Nation family does, does provide support, um, especially in times where, where it might be needed most. But, but I think that the, there's another piece of this as well we have to discuss, and it's just how, how, how does it impact the team? And I think that uh, when we get into talking about the Belmont game, there's there's definitely a piece that that I think played into the fact of the reason why we had the performance that we had um, last night. But but wanted to get your guys' thoughts as to how this team moves on, uh, how do they turn the page, or what that looks like as far as uh, internally uh, having having one of their brothers gone, but then also you know with with the with with, with the suspension, you know they have the, the punishment aspect as well. I definitely think there's a couple ways to to look at it. I mean it. it at one side, there's been times this year 
Uh, Logan, you said we're being transparent on this podcast now. Uh, the, there's been times this year we've been nothing but extremely frustrated when Kenny White's been on the floor. So at some point you're like, okay, maybe this is this is a decent thing and we can uh, – or the circumstances turn out okay where it's like we can get some guys like Sam and Justin and Brian Moore and Quincy some more playing time that we've seen show that hustle, die for those loose balls, uh, make offensive rebounds and stuff like that. But then uh, on the other side, it's like such a shakeup. I mean, you see it with – even LSU tonight where, where Juice Hill's not on the on the bench and they go and get beat by almost 20 at Auburn. And Auburn's a great uh, bat or not at Auburn, at, at LSU, at I believe. Yeah, yeah, at home. So I know Auburn's a really good basketball team, but just when you lose your starting point guard or in our sense, you lose your starting uh, power forward or, or small forward or whatever position he was playing, uh, you know, it just affects the team in a lot of psychological and in different ways you got guys playing a lot more minutes and uh just those all the rotations off right so um you know there's times where like oh man it'd be nice because we saw the team respond when jamari smith uh is out for the for the game the bradley game and it turned out really well and you know there for about uh, 12 minutes last night we thought we were looking pretty pretty dang good but obviously logan uh his absence his absence affected us more so in the long run Yeah, I think where it really hurts us is that we came into the season being really, really thin in the front court. And uh, personally, even though he has uh, not played hard in a lot of instances this year, I thought he's been, uh, if not our best post defender, one of our best, just because he's got long arms and uh, you can see him um, really affect shots. He's blocked quite a few shots this year uh and you know we've had instances where dj starts out on the the main front court player from the other team and uh, if kenny gets switched on to him i personally feel like he does better now we're playing like last night justin at the four or rob at the four um and that's it, it was a huge problem last night um not necessarily that we got beat up on the the rebounds, but inside, I mean, we we couldn't make a layup or nothing, um, and I, I feel like that. Even though Kenny struggled there too, um, that's somewhere where he definitely could have helped, and just his, his length and presence could have given us a little bit of help last night. But um, I think it's just a depth issue. We don't really have anybody. You know, Sam's coming on and playing better, but. Um, there's some games where he's going to excel and his talent's just going to, uh, surpass whoever he's going against and, and his motor's just going to, uh, make him play well. There's other games like last night where the, the other big men are more skilled and fundamental and have been in the game for four years, um, that he's just going to struggle. So, uh, I think his experience speaking about Kenny, um, Losing that in the front court is really tough moving forward just because, as we've talked about a lot, a lot of good big men here in the Missouri Valley and seemingly one on every team. We're going to face a couple this week. And so, um, you know, really going to miss Kenny in that aspect. Uh, It's, Logan, no doubt that Kenny's absence is going to keep affecting the team. And like like you said, we've got some, some really good big men coming up this week and the next two weeks, really, right? Um but I feel like the racers can can 
you know, push through that as, as Sam gets some more playing time. I think Sam Murray's going to be a really good player for us if, if, if we can get him to stick around, right? Uh, that's going to be a, a big part with him that we'll probably discuss coming up this summer. But, you know, the more playing time he can get, the more comfortable just, – I hate Justin playing the four because he's just filling the spot right now. That's not his natural – uh, his natural position. I think you saw that last night with him struggling a little bit just because he's asked to do something he's not really comfortable doing. But, you know, everybody's got to have that attitude to step up and, and play the play the position they're asked. I feel like he did a good job at that. Um, but anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves talking about the Belmont game a little bit. Let's pull it back, guys. It's uh, been a lot of a sad talk on this podcast. How about we talk about something positive, right? You guys were there on Saturday, uh, UIC. The Racers win 81-64 for just an amazing day at the CFSB Center. Let's talk a little bit about the the Jersey retirement first, just the day for campaign to come in the building, and just nothing but positives from the athletic department, the way they put it on, the way they were able to do the halftime, the the videos and the the pictures and, and everything that was put out to the public, which I really appreciated not, not being there in person. So all that was top-notch, but – you know, this is really the first event for Nico and his team to really showcase what the university can do under his leadership. And Sawyer, our guy, we as we know, knocked it right out of the park. Absolutely. I mean, the first thing that you see walking into the arena is literally the red carpet that's been rolled out. And uh, you see that, that they rolled the red carpet out for, for Cam and for the Suns to walk into the arena. The whole event was, was done in such a first-class manner. Uh, hats off to... To Nico and his team and, and the operations team there uh, with Brock Rydecki and the others at the university that made uh, Cam's day so special. We, we know Cam from his infectious smile from his time with the racers, and he had a smile on his face the whole time. I guarantee if you were to ask him uh, 20 years from now, he, he might say that this, that Saturday might have been one of the best days of his life. I mean, it looked like he was having that much joy uh, as a spectator, and uh, he just was so and I loved it. It was just so appreciative uh, of being there. You know, sometimes you get guys that come in and just speak for a, a minute or two and are just like, thank you. I really appreciate it. And kind of move on. Uh, Cam did not want to put down the microphone. Uh, he just wanted to keep talking and talking and, and sharing great memories and stories. And he just wanted to put into words uh, in many words, you know, how appreciative he was and how much Murray felt like a family and how he was pointing to individuals in the crowd. And that was that was awesome. Uh, and then the fact that Monty Williams brought the Suns with them, just made it even more special. Uh, and those players and Cam were interacting with the fans the whole time. You know, the, the student section was throwing shirts to the Suns players. They were signing them and throwing them back. I thought that was great. Cam stuck around and signed autographs and took pictures with everybody who would have wanted one. I mean, this guy's an NBA star. Um, so definitely didn't have to do that. But he really I feel like he really took full advantage of the opportunity um, when that banner came down. He was he was he almost fell over, you know, he had his arms out uh, and, and it was it was just an awesome thing. And then, you know, another piece that we all talked about, Logan, I want to get your thoughts, too. And I hope I'm not stealing all, all your thunder here. But the fact that we saw a lot of emotion from Coach Prom on Saturday, um, we saw that during the halftime recognition for Cam and we saw a postgame. Uh, well, I know we're going to talk about that later in the podcast, but it, it was great to see that. You know, Coach Prom. This was this was really his first guy. You know, as far as the, the he had he was a part of those those teams with with Cannon and, and and Ed Daniel and and all those guys. But Cam was really the first 
you know, guy he had to brought in. And you've heard him mention that he he treats these guys like his sons. Well, now he's got three sons of his own. So I can tell I can tell that, you know, he really was very emotional and, and he was on the verge of tears the entire time. And you can tell that this stuff at Murray State is just different. And we're going to talk about that again later in the podcast about how this is different. Um, but it was just such an awesome day and it could not have gone any better. Uh, and it was a perfect day inside the CFSB Center. Logan. Well, you did steal my thunder. You basically uh, took all the the talking points, but you did a great job. I couldn't agree more. Um, the one thing that I was going to bring up was how emotional Prome was getting and uh, how Cam said, you're going to make me cry just uh, by looking over at him. But uh, it was awesome. I, I loved uh, watching the video that they put up. And it's cool to see. You see the same thing with Jaw, how – um, they're announcing that they're going to the NBA draft and Cam was this little dorky looking, uh, sophomore in college. And he was giggling in the press conference and did not feel comfortable in front of a microphone. And then you see jaw and him go on and, um, you know, have all these media obligations and see them grow into the, these great young men. And, um, it was awesome to see how appreciative he was. Uh, and I'm really glad after uh, listening to Prome's press conference that he had whichever coach it was run back there and grab the team and tell them to come out because that's what it's all about. And you see all Racer Nation standing up and, and the Phoenix Suns there and Coach Monty Williams. That's the dream for these kids. And so allowing them to see, you know, if you put the work in and you stick around at Murray State. There are special things to come. So I thought it was an awesome day. Uh, probably going to be the highlight of the year um, just because of how special it was for Cam and, and all of us that loved watching him play while he was here. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up about the team. Watching, not spending half time worrying about the X's and O's and catching your breath, but watching the ceremony because Coach Prohm has been very, very public about this. You know, he assembled this team with two and a half months before the season started. And so it's really hard to get players assimilated into our culture and to really know what racer basketball is. You know, I was, we, you and I and, and Austin and, and Kenny were in a group message today talking about how, you know, this team is still struggling for an identity. Um, they, they have really never fully played racer basketball this season as much as we kind of hoped that, that they would. And they've seen it in spurts, but we've never seen it for 40 minutes. And, and this is, that was the, 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 the perfect example, the perfect exhibit, to see what racer basketball is all about. And that, that's how you learn. That's how you, you get to be a part. And seeing that, um, you see whenever he was that skinny freshman that passed out in his first workout, uh, I, was in the, I was in the gym that day, uh, till him going and getting shaking Adam Silver's hand. You know, it just, it just shows that this place is different and, and all those wonderful memories of the crowds that were full and all the wonderful alley-oops and dunks and threes and crossing up defenders and and that, that's that's the history piece of racer basketball that if you're if you join two and a half months before the season starts, you never get to be a part of and you never get to see. And it's really hard to teach. But being able to see it, um, you know, you know, show me a good sermon any day is kind of what I've always heard. And, and, and that's a That's a great uh, way to do it. And I think those guys were able to hopefully pick up a thing or two uh, about what it means to be a racer as a part of his jersey retirement on Saturday. Guys, one thing Cam was always known for is that joy that he played with. He had the biggest smile ever. But, you know, Logan, like you said last week, he could always break the hearts of the opposing team. But he did it with a smile on his face. Uh, and you know, that was one of our big things last year is joy. And, 
And Cam, like we talked about, is so infectious with his joy that he infected the entire team Saturday as as we looked like we played with some joy and everything we talked about on the podcast last week with walking the ball up the court to not moving with the basket without the basketball was like all alleviated on Saturday, right? And it seemed like they had something they wanted to play for. I'm sure Cam talked to them before the game. And uh, you know, like you said, you've got an NBA coach sitting three rows up and, you know, that's, that could be your, uh, you know, your, your resume for, uh, in, in some terms. And kind of like what Cam said, these guys play on TV every single night. Shoot. I just counted up. We played on national television nine times this year already, and we're going to have a 10th, uh, another game on Bally, uh, when Missouri state comes and another game. Oh, sorry. Two more games. We've got, another game on Bally, and another game on CBS Sports all before the Missouri Valley Tournament. So I, I don't think, guys, we've ever played on national television this much. What a great year to start that, right? But anyways, uh, they looked like they had something to play for as the Racers came out. One big, uh, 81-64, another Sawyer feather in your cap on you score 70 points. Add another win for Steve Prohm in that uh, category. We score 81 and just did a lot of things right, and it all all started from we have one of our top five point guards ever in the building. Our two point guards come out, guys, and have tremendous games with Jacoby Wood and uh, our guy, new guy, Brian Moore, both scoring 21 points on Saturday. Yeah, it was great to finally get both of those guys going in the same game. I remember uh, back this summer, Brian had a great summer. Um, seemed to be kind of unstoppable in those scrimmages. He was just faster than everybody else and uh, was scoring at will almost. And, uh, you know, I I remember somebody tweeting about how is, how's it, how are we going to handle having Jacoby and Brian Moore? Are they going to be able to coexist? And Brian tweeted back something. It's, it's both of us. It's not just one of us. Uh, It's not one or the other. And we really saw that Saturday. Um, and I know, you know, Kenny mentioned it to us. Um, you know, Lindy Suter has said it quite a few times that it takes these Juco guys a semester, um, a couple months to really get the feel of, of division one basketball. And uh, it, maybe the stars were aligning, I, I guess the sun's being in the building and, playing against UIC, who's not the most fundamentally sound opponent, um, just lined up for him to have a really big night and really happy for him. You could tell on social media afterwards he was enjoying all the love he was getting. And it was kind of like a finally moment, uh, finally broke through. But uh, really happy for him and Jacoby to get back on track as well. I, I think, you know, Logan, there for a while you mentioned we, we had that summer episode, right? And we talked up Brian more like, we were going to hang his banner on Saturday, right? And there for a while, I, yeah, I thought we were going to have to eat some crow because we're like, man, we talked him up. But, uh, guys, this is what we saw out of Brian on Saturday is exactly what we saw all summer long, getting to the basket, making tough finishes. And, like, I guess we just expected him to do that from day one at the St. Louis game. But, you know, like like we keep saying, it's taking him a while to kind of get that feel where, where he's at and really see the floor much. But I think now we've seen the glimpse of what Brian can be. And, you know, guys, he's just a sophomore, right? So maybe we put some undue expectations on him at the beginning of the year. But 
But, you know, this is kind of, I don't want to say what we expected, but like I saw it with my own two eyes. So I was not surprised at all on Saturday when, when he came out and had a big game, nine for 11 from inside the three-point line. Yeah, well, we saw this with Juice Hill. The same same exact thing, really struggled his sophomore year. Um, and I, if I'm remembering correctly, he was a JUCO All-American as well. And so a lot of similarities, great high-flying point guard that attacks the rim and has a good mid-range, really struggled getting getting uh, getting acclimated to the Division One game. And, you know, hopefully he has the same trajectory as Juice did because – uh, at, at a lot of times last year in the biggest games, Juice was our MVP. Yeah, Austin, that's a great point. People forget that he's just a sophomore. So when we compare him to Bryce Jones and other JUCO guys, you know, they're a whole year older uh, in, in far as college basketball is concerned. And it's quite a – and we already know it's a huge jump uh, going from um, JUCO up to, to, to playing at the Division One level. But uh, when you throw that on top of it, it's a great point. And that's the other thing about – that I love about Brian is that, you know, his game is starting to expand in front of our own eyes. You know, uh, we, we saw on, on I guess, Belmont and, and a little bit against UIC that he's really able to step out and shoot the three a little bit as well. Um, not down a couple of threes against Belmont. So I think that his role is obviously going to have to increase, as we'll see when we talk about the next game. But uh, I think it's really important that we get him going because we're going to need him and we're going to need him for the future. And I think that he can he shows the sh- shades of, of being someone who can be special, especially in a racer uniform. He's got that grit, that toughness, that in, that ability to get inside and to, to, to drive and to uh, make people miss. I mean, he was getting to the rim at will against a really, really athletic UIC team. So if we have guys that can knock down shots in the perimeter and open up the floor for him and bigs that can really create space for him, he's going to continue to get better. And, and hopefully we can put all those pieces together because we still haven't seen it yet. Uh, but we saw a great, great um, uh, for, foreshadowing to what that could be this past Saturday. I know UIC is not the best team in the conference, right? And they're they're a bottom three down. They're not the worst team uh, with Evansville, but they're definitely down there with Illinois State and and Valpo and UIC, and uh, they're getting better. As we mentioned, I I think uh, you know year one we we didn't expect a lot out of them, but I think they've got an opportunity. They've got a pretty nice facility up there in Chicago. Uh, just from watching them on TV, hopefully they can start to get some fan support and make some waves because it could be another good team in the Valley. But like like we always say, you gotta got to win the home games. It doesn't matter who's on the other side of the floor, how good or how bad they are. You, you still got to go out there and win the game. And, and for the racers to shoot nearly 60% from the field on Saturday was pretty crazy. It was almost like Belmont last night. But, but anyways, uh, Logan, they shoot nearly 80% from the free throw line. I know you love that. That has not been really our Achilles heel this year, which has been which has been really great. But you got to see a lot of players on the floor. Uh, Sam comes in, gives 13 good minutes. Justin Morgan gives 14 good minutes. Brian Brian nearly plays 30. But um, games like that is is a good time to take advantage of of opportunities to get those guys in. And not to keep talking about Sam on this episode, but like you see the effort he gives. It may not always be the prettiest and the most polished, but Man, if he's not diving over over players and and poking out, I I remember that uh, sequence where he uh, back taps the the ball out of the guy's hand and goes straight to Jacoby and he's at the top of the key, drains a three. Like uh, there's not, I haven't seen anybody else on the team make that kind of hustle. They're usually after a missed shot or a turnover, hanging their heads and running 
running to the other end. So just the energy in the building. And I wish we could find a way to transition that to the to the road because you've got to create your own energy. You can't let the uh, nearly 5,500 people in the gym just be your only support, right? Uh, it's great when you're at home, but, you know, the racers now two and seven on the road after after losing to Belmont, like uh, that that's not going to win you any conference championships, obviously, but it's definitely – I mean, we, I think at this point we got to be thinking about a winning record, especially with the the teams we have coming up. But uh, I, maybe that's just the Missouri Valley this year, Logan. Like we just talked about before we hopped on the inconsistency inconsistencies of the team. But um, I don't think I've ever seen a college basketball year, uh, maybe outside of even the Missouri Valley, but how teams can be so much better at home than on the road. Uh, take a team like Drake. They might be a top 25 team when they play at home. I mean, shoot, they average 80-plus points a game and haven't lost, and then they go on the road in a UIC team that we shoot 60% against and, and win by nearly 20. They takes them overtime to <laughs> barely squeak one out. So I know I'm just rambling at this point and getting off on a tangent, right? But uh, I guess to, to bring it back, I'm glad we won this game. It was really good to see the performances from some of our bench players, now starters with Brian Moore and Sam, and even Justin got in there and gave some impactful minutes. But um, a game that lined up to be just really great on all aspects, off the court and on the court, and uh, you know, a good win against a improving UIC team. Yeah, Austin, when it seemed like we had a lot of momentum after Saturday – uh, I don't know if it's just that we were riding high or what, but we go in Tuesday to Belmont and first 10 minutes really put up a good fight and then uh, kind of just smoked us without having any um, presence down low. Kenny White missing the game kind of hurt us, but uh, not to belabor you at UIC for too long. And I don't necessarily want to talk about Belmont, but um what are y'all's thoughts on on last night's game? Well, the the, the racers take the defeat, eighty to sixty five, and just uh, 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 we just got punked honestly by a guy named Evan Bronze, and that really hurts my feelings quite a bit um, because we talk a lot of crap on him mm-hmm. off air. Um, I mean, his name is spelled even, not even Evan. I mean, come on, put an A in there. What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a frustrating character. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, and guys, I felt like I had to bring in the big guns to uh, to dissect this Belmont episode. So we've got a special guest on the podcast to uh, to give her takes. You know, we've been uh, been talking this whole time, and she's she's been giving some good takes on the podcast. But I think she's got an idea of, of what the racers need to do and what they should have done last night to beat the Bruins. Hello, everybody. Happy to make my first appearance on the Racer Nation podcast. Well, earlier Austin was asking me what he should say on the podcast tonight, and I said, all they got to do is listen to the pregame show with Kenny and Neil. Because what was the key to the game from Kenny? Guard the perimeter. What did they do? Not guard the perimeter at all. Just got to listen to the pregame show. That's all it takes. That was amazing. Can I clap it up for Brennan real quick? Amazing. Honestly, that's better than anything I've said this this whole podcast. So uh, next week, still three person booth, but Brennan's <laughs> taking over my spot. 
No, de- definitely not, Logan. But, you know, I've been relaying her messages all year. So I just thought, man, what a perfect opportunity to come in. But she does make a great point, right? That was the 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 thing that was going to hurt us. Sorry, you talked about – I talked to you earlier this week, and I was like, everything you said on last week's podcast about UIC was absolutely perfect. Uh, you, you hit all the points uh, on uh, previewing them. And unfortunately, what, what we talked about before the game yesterday, I was like, I sure hope you were wrong for Belmont. But unfortunately – you were spot on for Belmont. It was the the three point. We can talk about, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought down low is what what killed us. We were right there with them in points in the paint. Uh, we actually beat them thirty four to thirty with points in the paint. So I know we missed a lot of shots. We make half of those, and the ones we missed, I think we were eight for twenty eight uh, on layups or within six feet. But anyways, we we still beat them at points in the paint, but. It's that three-point shooting that that made the difference. And, you know, we really want to talk about what turned the game on its head. It was the contested jumpers that they were getting versus then we weren't closing out great, leaving open shooters. And a team that shoots north of 40 on the year, Sawyer, you can't give them open. You can give them open shots, and, and look what happens. They They absolutely just punk us in Nashville. Yeah, they pretty much just shot their average. Uh, nothing nothing more you can ask out of your team, and they, they did it, and they played really well. And not just from behind the line. You know, I was really impressed with their freshmen. You know, the the Kay Tyson and Freiburg, you know, you, you mentioned Evan Bronze earlier, but those two guys come in and knock down six threes between the two of them. Uh, the moment was not too big for them, both five of eight, five of nine from the field. So, um, you know, very, very impressed with their poise, and, and they just played extremely hard. And I think that's just the difference. You know, I think that – we saw them play at a totally different level with an energy wise than, than what the racers had. And, and maybe that should have been expected. You know, that's what I mentioned whenever we we're finishing up the conversation that we had about how we kicked off this, this episode is how, how would these, how would the racers respond? And, and, you know, it would, it would have been one of two ways, you know, that we were going to come out fired up to, to kind of uh, with the news they'd gotten, or would they be a little timid and just kind of lackadaisical because they're kind of go over the game with kind of a glaze because of the, the news and it's hard. Uh, and I think that uh, we came out and we, we started to the game plan a little bit early, but I think that once adversity hit, you know, I think that's kind of where their minds might've gone. And that that's really unfortunate because we had this game in a really, really good spot. Um, and, you know, I think that a lot of that kind of flew out the window. Their, 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 their arenas, you know, not very big, but they had a lot of students back. Their student section is usually really, really good. They get the prime seating because they don't really have any other fans, so they can really make an impact on the game being so close to the court. Um, and, and when that stuff starts happening, you know, sometimes you get the whistle on your side. That's just college basketball. You know, we get the same thing at home with us, too. Um, nothing nothing negative there, I'm trying to say. So, uh, you know, it really was a perfect storm for how the racers, uh, you know, could how the, how, the, how the Belmont could take advantage of this racer team that, uh, as we know, is, is one of the ones that struggled the most out of any team we've had over the past 40 seasons you knew coming into this game Belmont was not going to let happen what happened last year I mean could you imagine if if they came into the bank and both teams tied in uh, first place undefeated in the conference and they just beat us like they were we were up they were up 20 at halftime uh the next year we would definitely be in the same position they are so I think there's a lot to say about that uh that was kind of overlooked even by myself going into it um the 
the student section, oh my goodness, was unbearable to watch on television. As you said, Sawyer, they get the quote unquote primetime seating. I mean, the place is smaller than McCracken County. And I thought it was a high school student section at some points. I mean, they're yelling, you can't do that, chanting the players' names. I mean, holy cow, are we all just like 16 and sophomores in high school? But I'm going to get off that soapbox. It was, I almost had to turn off the television and not because of the racers play in the second half, but because of the the Belmont student section. But uh, that's college basketball. I do know one thing we wouldn't be booing a player that used to be, that used to play for us. At least I wouldn't think we would hope we wouldn't. But anyway, I'll get off, get off all that soapbox. I think uh, what, what really, what I saw in the, in the game is, uh, you know, we couldn't make it just, we, we started out running our offense really well. We were getting slip screens. We were getting open shots, getting easy baskets. And that's one thing that we, that I asked for last week is like, how do we make this offensive game easier for our team? Right. And we were doing that the first 10, 12 minutes of the game. I mean, all the way up to even DJ missing that dunk. All I mean, that was still an easy basket, right? We were getting all these easy looks and knocking them down. Brian Moore was looking good. Jacoby was really facilitating the ball. I was really impressed with Jacoby. You know, I, I thought or we kind of had a thought maybe he would push too hard, but that's definitely something he did not do. And all the noise and everything, he really stayed focused in. And I know he didn't pour it in from the the the, the scoring column, but I thought Jacoby did a lot of really good things. Um, it's just when the going got tough, uh, I'm not going to say we folded, but I just don't know if we have that that player like a campaign that when when you 1000 percent, the Belmont Bruins are on a 10 to nothing run. I know it ended up being 14 to two, but they're uh, they're on a 10 nothing run. They get it within a possession. You're like, OK, we're going to campaign because we need a basket right here. Guys, I'm just not I haven't we haven't been able to see the. We've got that player right now that can that can go get you a tough two. Yeah, absolutely. And to uh, go back to their students for just a second, good on them. They had a the best showing that I've ever seen out of a Belmont student section. Uh, really showed out for their team. I know they they threw some chance out there. Uh, they the one at the end that got me a little bothered was they were calling us little brother. Obviously. You can tell they haven't been to many games. They obviously have never went to Evansville. We we go to Evansville and see there's no Belmont fans there. We're not little brother. We're having a, a rough season. You guys beat us by 15 on your home floor with a bunch of seniors. Uh, not not necessarily little brother. But when they went on their 14 to two run and the crowd started getting into it, you could see the tides shifting a little bit, and um, that's when you know it seemed like. All of our movement on offense started to stall out, and theirs started to really pick up. And uh, Ben Shepard, when we were texting earlier today with Kenny, he was just unbelievable. He was the uh, best player on the floor by far, and um, really good player. Um, we'll be really glad when he's gone. And then the addition of Bronze, just kind of stopping everything we could put up at the rim, and uh, and the Freiburg kid. And I, I just I can't stand him. And on defense, honestly, I'm, I want y'all's take on this. It was almost like he had threatened our players and told them that his dad would sue if we got too close to him because he had so many wide-open shots, and our defense would just break down um, so easily, especially in the second half when they really, really pushed the lead out. 
Um, but it seemed like each time down the court, they could get whatever shot they were wanting. Yeah, no doubt. It's just the fact that, that we talked about, you know, before the before the game is just the fact that they're, they're, they're a group of, of veteran players um, and they play a system style of basketball, which uh, doesn't usually translate all that well in March, but it is pretty good in the regular season. Um, and, and, and in doing so with a team going up against a team that's rather undisciplined still to this point in the season uh, with a bunch of brand new guys. It's a recipe for a disaster for, for that opposing team, and that was us. Uh, there's no other way to put it. Um, and, and Casey Alexander had those guys ready to go. I mean, Austin, like you said, they wanted to beat us by 20. That's why they had uh, you know Ben Shepard playing until the final second, and they subbed Evan Bronze back into the game with 46 seconds to go um, just to try to beat us by 20. So um, that's definitely a little brother mentality, in my opinion, um, to do that. Um, but, but, yeah, I think that's, that's definitely um, – what happened, Logan? You were spot on there. Yeah, and you mentioned us being an undisciplined team. Going into the game yesterday, uh, I would have said that I would have rather have played anybody on our schedule other than Bellarmine or Belmont for Brian Moore's sake uh, to back up that game he had against UIC. Just because Belmont and Bellarmine, they play such a, a team game, such a a fundamental brand of basketball that it was kind of, it just wasn't Brian Moore's style and you could see him struggle a little bit. I was really hoping we could um, get that game from Brian Moore in a, a setting where he could have two or three of those games and really boost his confidence before um, taking on a team like Belmont, but he started off good. It's just, and it wasn't necessarily just him. We all just ran out of gas. Um, and, you know, we subbed in our energy guys, Justin and, and Sam and, and even Quincy and just couldn't really get anything going. Personally, really liked what I saw from Justin. Um, I think that every game you start to see flashes uh, of, of instances where for a couple of possessions, you can say like, man, this guy's going to get it. And um, the, the mid-range jumper he had coming off a screen, one pull up, one dribble pull up looked awesome. Um, and also he just makes winning plays. Um, you know, at this time, you know, with, with this season, it's really tough. And those are hard to come by. But how many times has he extended a possession this year with an offensive rebound or a tip to somebody else? And and that's just that's a guy that we know this program is probably going to lean on for how we build things in the future. And to see that was was definitely very encouraging as he continues to make strides. And and you know Sam Murray still getting thrown out there to the fire. Um, going up against a guy like Evan Bronze is going to help make him better. Um, would have probably said that last year. Um, the way that KJ and and our George Skipper Brown, other guys, absolutely ate him up. Um, but he's just physical, and that's just kind of what Sam kind of needs. So um, definitely, definitely thought that, that those two guys, as they continue to see their minutes rise, you can you can start to see how they're going to make an impact on this program um, in in a short time. Yeah, I totally agree. You can tell Justin just gets he gets the game of basketball, um, knows where to be on the court, and he he doesn't seem to be out of position on offense hardly ever. And so seeing him come off a screen and you know, not looking to pass the ball when he's got a wide open lane and pulling up for a jumper and feeling confident in it is a great sign. Um, I have compared Sam Murray to a baby deer. He's definitely not done growing. And um, you can see like it, I told people around me at the UIC game, it, the poor guy can't catch a cold yet. I'd love to see Kenny Roth um, do some of those drills with him that he did with Popeye where he filled the basketball up with water and, and threw it at him, um, get his hands a little bit better, get, 
get his footwork a little bit better because he is special. He's going to be a great player for us. And like we were saying earlier, hope we can keep him around because, you know, if we keep developing these young guys, we're still a really young team. I mean, really, really young. Um, we could have some really great years and show Belmont who Big Brother really is. Glad you brought that back up because it seemed like online and and I feel like our fans kind of take the bait a little bit too much online. Um, Belmont, I think, has pretty much two guys on Twitter that kind of support their team, uh, honestly. Uh, it's kind of the way it feels. And um, they, they absolutely live for racer response is how I want to say it. So uh, a lot of a lot of the racer fans just they're so supportive. Ninety nine point nine percent of the stuff that the racer fans put out there is is all positive. Um, but sometimes they get they catch the bait of trying to respond to some of these guys. And and I saw some of the comments about how Belmont's just a superior program, things of that nature. I, really, really so far off base. I mean, yeah, you beat us by 15 at home. You guys played great. I think the rivalry is great. I would love for this rivalry to be a little bit more friendly. Um, it's really, you know, kind of cutthroat uh, is what I've seen. I don't really have many um, – or I don't really have any, and maybe it's just because they don't have as many fans, you know, as we do. Um, but just any any positive kind of back and forth, you kind of can see with other other fan bases we've had with others. But this one's been kind of just kind of dirty on both sides. But I went back through and looked at like the past five years, guys. I mean, Belmont. I think this is an interesting conversation. I kind of want to hear from your guys' perspective. But you know, racer teams are built for March. Um, our ceiling is just always so much higher from a program's perspective. That's why we've won. Two NCAA tournament games over the past five years, won three conference championships over the past five years. Uh, Belmont's won one, and unfortunately that was during COVID, so they didn't get to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, that's just such a shame. But and then when they, they actually, you know, to their credit, made the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid. That was fantastic. Um, couldn't finish, you know, down the stretch against Maryland. That was a great game. Um, but you know, in those situations, you know, in every in every aspect, you know, we're better. And we've got, you know, John Morant playing the NCAA, in, the, in the NBA, you know, all-star MVP voting. Um, we've got guys, you know, Shaq Buchanan has been playing in the NBA, played a little bit in the NBA. I know they've got guys like Dylan Windler and Ian Clark, but like, you know, our guys produce at the next level. We're ready for March. And that's really kind of where they're, they're kind of tops out, you know, right at the end of February. Um, and they, they, they're fantastic. You know, you can count on them winning 20, 20 mid twenties games per year. Um, but for us and, and for, for what they bring to the table, it's just kind of comparing apples and oranges. And I just kind of felt like they that kind of felt like they were getting a little bit of a big head before um, before they really needed to. Uh, they are playing great tie for first in the conference. They've got a great shot to be able to win it. Um, but, you know, at this point, I don't necessarily know if all the cheap shots, the low blows were necessarily necessary. What do you guys think? Uh, Sawyer, I don't I don't think you're far off when you look at the Belmont program, I, I think. Without Rick Bird, they they probably don't get that at-large bid uh, a few years ago. That was kind of like a nice send-off to him. But uh, and honestly, I I I don't know. I better watch what I say, so I'm not gonna say what I was fixing to. But um, I I think what you've seen is like the racer. We talk about the racer program, uh, just the building blocks. And uh, Sawyer, I know you've said it a lot more eloquently than I have about like. Um, you know, just when we think we've reached the pinnacle, there's the next mountain, right? And it's always been better. And it just seems like with Belmont over the last 15 years, I guess ever since they left the horizon, joined the OVC, it's like they win the OVC their first year, which potentially they may do in the NBC this year. But then it's just like 
uh, like flatlined. It's you've never seen them do anything great. They've never been a top 25 team. I don't believe I'm probably wrong there. Uh, but you don't see the like growth or the anything like that that you've seen in racer basketball. But you know, sorry to your point about them being in a really good position. I, I don't disagree with that. They're what eight and two now, seven and two in the conference. Uh, look on their website. They're seven and two in the conference, but they've got to go at Bradley. They've got to play Drake twice. They've got to go. They've got to play Indiana State still. They still have to go to Northern Iowa. They got to play at Missouri State still. And then, hey, they've got to come to the CFSB Center and play the Racers. So as much as we were kind of bragging about how the NBC helped our scheduling out uh, this year, uh, they they really front loaded Belmont's schedule as well. As they uh, really their best win has been probably mm, Missouri State at home which Missouri State's not great on the road. Uh, they did beat Northern Iowa by four at home. Uh, but, yeah, they're uh, Bradley at home, too, but so did we. So their tests are really coming up in the conference as, uh, who knows, they're 7-2 and two now. They could easily be 7-7 seven and seven <laughs> by the end of the year. That's true. But on the flip side, they could go. They could, they could only lose, you know, two more games. Um, but even still, I just feel like, the team they have assembled right now, you know, it's same across the whole Missouri Valley. This the whole Missouri Valley seems like it's down. Obviously, we're very down. Um, that's a fact. Uh, but you know, I think feel like racer teams, even Belmont teams in the past, have been far better than the one that they have now. So uh, they they've joined the valley at just the right time. We're joining the Valley at just the wrong time. Um, I, I didn't mean any disrespect by the comments that I made about those guys that got playing in the NBA. They're fantastic players. Uh, just felt like I needed to 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 defend the racer basketball program a little bit based on what some of those comments that I saw, just because, um, you know, I, they're a fantastic program. I don't hate them as much as some other people do really respect Rick bird, had a chance to talk with him almost, you know, almost every time that he came to the CFSB center, we crossed paths and Austin, you've met him in the airport and we've got nothing but good things to say about the guy. Um, I personally don't know any Belmont grads outside of a, a former, uh, associate AD that was here last year. Can't say anything bad about their school or anything of that nature. Just wanted to, in more ways, uh, I feel like that was pretty negative to Belmont, but more so positive towards the racers of like, hey, you know, we we are here. You know, don't don't back down from that. So, um, and we've got the we've got the track record and the history to back that up. So, no disrespect to anybody. Don't ever want to to do that on this podcast, Logan. You may disagree, but um, just hoping that there's there's better days for this for this rivalry on the racer side. And I know that that's true, and that's going to come, you know, over the next over the next few weeks. You know, they got to come back here, like you said, Austin, and that's a different animal playing us at home versus playing us on the road. And after the horrible circumstances we had to go through, um, so I expect uh, when they come back to town uh, to have a rocking crowd with our students back in the building as well. So that'll be a fun one uh, when the Bruins come back to town. Yeah, that's very on brand for you, Sawyer. You you were very respectful, um, and I don't think anybody took it in a wrong way. But I will be disrespectful to Belmont. I don't care. Um, I like Rick Bird. He, he's uh, he was an amazing coach, and uh, you know had a lot of uh, great teams and great rivalries. Um, I don't like some of their players. Obviously, don't like Freiburg. I think he's a joke. Um, and then their fans last night were a lot like Austin P fans is what it kind of felt like. So they, they kind of pissed me off too. Um, so I'm laying for them when they come to the CFSB center, we're giving it to them. I know Jay Nemo is going to be on board. Um, so 
So they just better watch out. But I will say back to your point of how racer teams are built for March. I think the reason why Belmont always has so much success in the regular season is because a lot of their players have no shot at playing basketball at the next level. Um, and so they just stick around because it's a quote unquote prestigious school. That's a expensive school. And so they go there for an education along with playing basketball. And so they're there to stick around for four years. We deal with a lot of turnover. Um, and part of that's good. Part of that's bad. But like you said, our teams grow throughout the year. You look at Belmont last year, they returned everybody from a really stacked team and were very average. Austin was great at pointing out how Nick Musinski was basically the same player from freshman to senior year. Every year averaged the same in points and rebounds. Um, we like to see growth out of our guys, and I think that's why you see such a big jump from us at the start of the season till March and why they are so stagnant. What what would a good Racer Nation podcast episode be without some some good Belmont slander? So I think uh, for for the three of us that was a little bit of therapy after the the thumping we took last night. So uh, I feel a little liberated now, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but how about we go ahead and, and roll it into this Saturday? We got Indiana State coming to the bank for uh, the first time in a long time. I think we played them on a bracket buster, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's been a few years. I Long time ago. Yeah, long time ago. Let's see. How about 2008, 2009 was the last time we played Indiana State. Uh, that was the return from the Bracket Buster. Uh, they they came here uh, on February 23rd, 2008. They, they beat us, unfortunately, in that game. Oh, this is the kind of performance we need, guys. Uh, in December 19th of 2002, the Murray State Racers uh, in the fir- in the CFSB Center won 85 to 39 against the Sycamores. So uh, I'm predicting that's the that's going to be the score this weekend. No, no, just kidding. But guys, uh, despite what happened tonight with with Bradley going it going into uh, uh, Indiana State and getting a really big win, the Sycamores are going to be a tough tough test for the Racers. Is guys for a while they looked like they were going to run away with the Missouri Valley Conference. Austin, if that score projection is right, I will get a tattoo of Rod Thomas on me. Uh, don't see it happening, but I'm a man of my word. So if we win, what did you say, 85 to 39? Yeah, <laughs> I'll get a tattoo of Rod Thomas. All right, that's that's uh, a, number A1 uh, homework for all of the uh, the graphic designer uh, listeners to the podcast is putting – putting that Rod Thomas tattoo on Logan in one of his pictures and tweeting that to us. Um, that's got to be the first move after you get done listening to this podcast. But Austin, you know, you, you make a great point. You know, uh, Indiana State looked awesome. Um, but you turn around, four, they start 4-0, turn around, they've lost three in a row. Um, at home to Southern Illinois, uh, on the road by two, heartbreakered it to Missouri State, and then at home again um, by 11 um, to Bradley. So really kind of struggling with the identity crisis. Honestly, if they have a podcast, I don't know if they do or not. They're probably thinking, thinking, man, so glad we're going to Murray this weekend because we can get right here. Um, but I think that's where, you know, the racers have a chance to be able to really do something special. And you see that, um, in the Missouri Valley, of course, <clears throat> especially this year, people have been able to hold serve at home. Um, that SIU game that we had was a one-off, um, that we've had early, so earlier this year, but, uh, I really hope that, that this will be one where we've got the students back. 
finally they got a chance to make a difference. Uh, and this racer team could really rise to the occasion because um, the way that Indiana State wants to play is very similar to the way the racers want to. You know, not necessarily pushing the pace that fast, but not necessarily playing that slow. Um, just kind of a middle of the pack um, playing team. And so as far as the pace is concerned, so I think that uh, there, there might be a chance for the racers to be able to do kind of what they want to do. Um, as a team, you know, over the past few games, really struggling from three. Uh, you look at this game tonight, there were four of 20. Um, from three, uh, the racers really have to to, to protect the three point line uh, at a premium because we know they're going to put those up. But but also they're just a really really tough team, which is what kind of concerns me tonight. You look at the box score; they shot 24 free throws. Um, trying to get the racers to the line is going to be a primary function. I mean, um, 19 of their 67 points all coming from the stripe, and that's not just a, a one off. You know, that's what they try to do night in and night out. As if it's a proven formula that the racers have tried to use in the past to be able to to, to beat teams and knock them off. But uh, if we can get out and running and, and play in transition, I think this is going to be a chance for us to really to really do well. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts about how we should play moving forward, especially after the the Belmont game. Uh, something we did not touch on. Um, Austin, your player of the game for the UIC game um, was Jamari Smith. Uh, Jamari was, you know, five of 19 from the floor against Belmont. Um, don't necessarily think that's probably going to be the recipe for success uh, for the racers moving forward. Um, I personally would only feel comfortable with Jamari, you know, shooting 19 shots if he's hitting 16 of them because they're all layups. And, and to his credit, you know, most of them were layups that he was shooting. So he wasn't just shooting unforced shots, but uh, also to his discredit, you know, you got to hit those. And uh, I think that, that really the offense has got to be primarily run through um, Jacoby uh, and, and and Brian and trying to get those guys easy buckets because, you know, what we saw, especially from the out the box score uh, and is also from the eye test, that that was not necessarily going to be the way to play. Um, so, so Austin, I'll send it over to you to kind of figure out, you know, how we, how do we make some adjustments from what we played like last night, as far as a style of play to how we want to focus on, on maybe shaking things up in the future, uh, as far as how we want to get people involved, especially with this matchup against one of the premier talents, premier teams uh, in the Missouri Valley. Yeah. So I think we're going to have some opportunities to, you know, we talk about having a get right game in certain aspects, but you know, one thing we kind of hung our hat on there for a lot of the year was, was our three-point defense, right? And I don't know, maybe we were getting lucky all those times, but it's hard over 15 games to get lucky that many times holding the team under 30%. So when you got a team like Indiana State coming into the bank that's struggling hitting the three lately, uh, this is an opportunity to – I guarantee you after last night, they were they were running some closeouts in practice today and, and running some uh, – uh, some rotations on defense. So I think, I think we got an opportunity there. Um, you know, Jamari starts the game off hot five for eight and then proceeds to miss his next 11 shots. Uh, Jamari's a good enough player. I guarantee you he was the most disappointed guy, uh, maybe beside Jacoby, but he was probably the most disappointed guy walking out of that gym last night. So, you know, he's going to be coming back raring to go. I, I don't know if it's going to be a great spot for him as they've got, Another big guy, a lot like an Evan Bronze, um, a freshman actually who's playing really, really good this year, uh, Robbie Avila. He's, uh, you know, 6'10". Right. Yeah, <laughs> he's <laughs> 6'10", 240, uh, averaging right about nine points a game. But I've seen him have some big games. But, uh, Logan, before, before I send it over to you, I know you've got some guys you want to talk about. But the thing that probably scares me the most about this game is um, – you know, like you said, Sawyer, they're they're kind of back against the wall right now, but so are we. So we haven't really shown yet 
that we can be, you know, other than the Texas A&M game, I know we keep going back to it, but uh, when they really showed who was boss that last six to seven minute stretch, but uh, their top three guys, McCauley, Henry, and Nice, um, all three either graduate seniors or redshirt seniors or seniors. And that's the guys who average 16, 10, and 10 points a game, all their double-digit scores, um, all uh, in, in the backcourt playing playing the guard position. And they all have got really good size as well. So that that's the main thing that makes me nervous for Saturday. But hopefully, you know, guys, it is uh, the first going to be the first game back for the students, right? 5 p.m. tip on Saturday, um, faculty staff day, and also MSU Athletics academic recognition that's when they pull all the student athletes out on the floor at halftime so you know there's at least 300 and something students that are going to be in the crowd plus the students that are going to show up for the game because they've been ready to see some racer basketball out of out of break and then all the faculty and staff who are going to be able to get in free to the game hopefully means uh, we can pour in pour in a good six sixty five hundred seven thousand into the bank and get that place rocking you know, sorry, Logan, I knew I was going to throw it to you, but I just remembered something I was going to say. Uh, one thing that's, uh, you know, I'm watching on TV all the time. Uh, you know, here we go. One thing, another positive. I will not be watching on ESPNU Saturday because I will be in the in the CFSB Center cheering on the racers, which is uh, hopefully a good lift. But, uh, you know, uh, we see DJ Burns pumping up the crowd all the time, right? Uh, he's up there waving his arms and, and it's become, oh, he's the energy guy. Uh, and, and he is right. And, and that's his role on the team. But, uh, you know, one thing I've noticed is it's not the pumping up the crowd that, that gets people on their feet. I know it encourages it, but just watching that UIC game, guess what people got excited about? They got excited about when we were diving out of bounds to save loose balls that got people on their feet. They got excited when we were closing out and taking charges. That got people on their feet. So, uh, you know, if, if this gets back to the team at all, hustle, play hard, and you will get rewarded 1,000%. One thing when we would only used to play on ESPN once or twice a year, I always remember the announcers would say, man, these fans know their basketball here. They're cheering for the right things. Uh, they're booing the refs when we need to boo the refs and – and everything like that but you know this fan base is extremely mature and extremely smart and the players will get rewarded for hustle and making those hustle plays at the brian moore clip where he gets the and one and is right there in the crowd uh, he played amazing he wasn't puffing up the crowd and the place was going crazy for him so off my soapbox logan please please take it away we're still talking about the indiana state game right Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> I'm so. just messing with you. Listen, man, I talked for 16 minutes last week. I have no room to talk. So the one thing that stuck out to me about Indiana State outside of that, they do everything pretty well and uh, do what a veteran team should do is that four of their top six scores uh, or four of their top six players, for that matter, are all seniors um, led by Cravassier McCauley. I was obviously a interesting name, and so I knew I'd heard it before, and I was looking back at where he played last year, and I remember watching him um, at DePaul, and his stats aren't going to jump off the screen at you, but that's because he had David Jones there, 
and one of the best players in college basketball last year, Javon Freeman, Freeman Liberty. Um, so they took a lot of the usage and commanded the ball a lot. McCauley was a good role player for them, and now he steps down to Indiana State, and he's the guy, 16.6 points per game, 5.4 rebounds per game. Um, really, the the buck stops there. So um, I, I guess that's Rob that draws him, uh, I'm guessing. And like you said, Austin, big, big guards. Um, so it's time for the big wolf to step up. Um, from a winning standpoint, you know, earlier this year, uh, when things seemed to be going wrong, uh, we said, Texas A&M, let's give us a path to victory. I think we need to get back to that. Um, I agree with you, Sawyer. I don't necessarily think that going inside will be, um, preferred with Robbie, big Rob down there, but, uh, that, with that being said, I don't think we need to leak out and just settle for threes, especially Jamari. I He's struggled to shoot the three this year, and, and mid-range has been his bread and butter and down low. I'd like to see him down low um, and park himself there and fight for offensive boards along with DJ. And then it starts with, you know, Jacoby, Brian, um, Rob, and a guy that we haven't talked about a whole lot here recently who was a fan favorite at the start of the year, Quincy Anderson. We need that fire to come back. We need a big Quincy game. So looking for him off the bench to hopefully bring us a spark and uh, give us that toughness and defense we need. Yeah, what I want to see on Saturday is really the racers flip the script a little bit. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, if you go back to the Drake game a few week last weekend and and we talk about the Northern Iowa game, they went on some huge runs against us. Drake had their huge run. You and I had their two huge runs that really put the game away. And the same could be said about Belmont as they go on a 14-0 run um, in, in the, the tail end of the first half that really helped get them really establish their lead in this game, in that game, and really took control at that point. So the Racers haven't done that in a long time. I think the biggest run we had uh, last night was um, just 10 or 11 points. Uh, we've got to be able to, to do that and do that a couple of different times, especially at home. That's one thing that I wrote down that I wanted to talk about with Belmont, and that's so, something I'm so excited about. But second semester basketball at the CFSB Center is just different with the students being back. And I know we've touched on it a little bit, but I think one of the reasons why we have so much success in March is that when we go to the OBC tournaments in the past, and now it'll be to an even further degree in the Missouri Valley Conference, is that we're going to have a home court advantage when we're playing in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. And uh, with all of our students, you know, with St. Louis being the the number one uh, city in America for young alumni uh, that are graduated from Murray State undergrad and and post postgraduate studies, uh, it's going to be a home court type feeling. So these racer players are going to get to feel that, to, to, to know that, and I hope that that will be what can hopefully propel us to victory on Saturday and they can hopefully – feel like a broken record. I've said it a million times, but propel us to a few weeks of good basketball um, thereafter. We just have to really string it together is, is we've seen us win one, we'll lose two. We'll win two, we'll lose one. So how do we get on that run and start to actually build some momentum? Uh, because we've seen flashes of it, and I think that's the most frustrating thing for me and probably a lot of the Racer fans is, is you watch the first 10, 12 minutes of the game last night, and you're like – Boom, they figured it out. And then it's like, okay, no, they didn't. You watch a lot of the UIC game. Ah, boom, they figured it out. And then they didn't. The UNI game, for 32 minutes of that game, it's like, bam, we put it together. And then we didn't. So how 
when do we get to that point? And, and Saturday is an amazing opportunity to play 40 minutes of basketball that it requires in the Missouri Valley Conference to uh, to put it together. And, and you know, Indiana State, may, maybe we're catching them at a, at a great time. They, they looked really good early. They've got the win against Drake in Southern Illinois, uh, which really propelled them uh, before the, the break. Um, and then when they come off, you know, they start out, what we say, 6-0 and in the conference. But they beat Evansville, Valparaiso, Illinois State, and UIC, the bottom four teams in the conference. Like we say, those are the those are the teams you got to beat. But they kind of had a dog walk, and then they finally get Southern Illinois, Missouri State, and Bradley, and they've lost three in a row, fairly convincingly, other than the Missouri State game. So hopefully we can just add to their woes and add to our riches as uh, we we protect home court again. And then, as we know, there, there, there's no rest uh, hardly in the Missouri Valley as these schedules are so so crazy. And then Tuesday night, the racers are going to take the trip a couple hours north up to Carbondale, Illinois. Is uh, the first time in a few years we we've been up been up to Southern Illinois as as the Salukis. We we try to return one back to them. Um, as we know, it was that first game after Christmas. Southern Illinois comes to the bank, uh, and really, it's a it's a struggle offensively for us as. As we lose that game, 63-57, Logan and I, we were there in attendance. And uh, for a lot of that game, man, we're, we're fighting tough with them. And it's not to recap the whole game, but it's like, man, just as soon as we got that little taste, they're scoring the next possession every time we go go up. So uh, SIU's, you know, kind of kept it rolling in there. They're separating themselves. Is, is The Valley is also close this year, right? That's one thing that, that, we've, uh, that we've seen is, everybody's within like two wins. I mean, even us as a, uh, even us as a four loss team in the conference, we're only two games out of first place as, as we're just right there as well. But um, SIU has been able to come in and uh, they're seven and two tied for first place um, in, in the conference. And, and they've got a win uh, last night against Evansville only, only by seven points at, at home. But, uh, you know they're going to play at Missouri State before they before they host us on Saturday. But um, you know, guys, Coach Prone's been talking about it. Is is we've got to get one back on the road and and Sawyer, what a great opportunity to get one back against the team that took one from you. Absolutely, and I and I truly do feel that if, if that's going to happen, it's got to happen on Saturday first. Um, that it's really I think we'll be able to tell a lot about how Tuesday will go based on how we play on Saturday. Um, but you know. We could be completely wrong. Uh, this conference has shown us that uh, when you try to predict the future, uh, you're going to predict wrong. And um, just Holden's, Holden's court on the road is very, very difficult. You know that that arena is going to be packed. Um, their student section has been, from what, I, from what I've been able to tell, has been unreal this year. They've really brought the uh, momentum back to SIU basketball, um, which is great for their program. Um, old-time rival with us. I know I used to hate them so much back in the day uh, whenever they would – whenever we would go there and they would come to town. Um, but, you know, they're still looking for their marquee win. I mean, it's like I said last time we played them, uh, the most important moment in their gym over the past few years is when John Morant stuck around for two hours after the game and signed dollar bills for all of their fans. Um, so they're still looking for their marquee win. Uh, and they could, they could definitely get that against the racers. But I think that's an awesome opportunity um, for, for, for Murray State to, to be able to go in there and, and play with your hair on fire um, be able to, to really play with, 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 with no, no reservations, uh, and kind of just play a style of basketball that when we're at our best, that's how we're playing. So, um, obviously we know that 
They've got some really, really great players and some guys that are really tough in Damask and Lance Jones that are just incredibly tough bucket bucket getters. Um, but I think it's a chance for us to, to really show how we've grown uh, when we get to match up against them this next time. And, and I think that when you look at what Damask does on the floor, uh, I think that's really a type of guy that Justin can really flourish into um, as, as a great rebounder. Um, as a scorer, they're, they're definitely different. Um, but as far as how they fill up a, a box, a box score, uh, Damask, you know, pretty good defender. Same could be said about Justin. So I'm really interested to see, and I hope that we get that matchup um, just selfishly to kind of see uh, what the, what that'll look like. Another senior versus freshman type matchup that I think will help Justin in his growth. Um, but really, I think for the keys is is to try to, and I think that we did this great against Belmont, is really jump on them early. Um, this is an SIU team that doesn't score a lot of points. If somehow this racer team can scratch and claw and get to 70, like I said last week, I think we're really going to have a great shot. Yeah, so we talked about Cravassier McCauley in the last game, and uh, you guys know I'm a names guy. They've got some great names on Southern Illinois, starting with Chris Cross, and then we also have Foster Wonders. Um, well, Logan Foster Wonders, who is going to show up for the racers this game? Because as we talked about last week, or as I talked about, I'm not going to put you guys under the, the microscope, but um, two or three of our starters just do not show up every single game it seems like and last time we played southern illinois it wasn't necessarily what they did it's what we didn't do um you take jacoby jamari and dj and they combine for 12 points on three of 16 shooting maybe it's not fair to include dj in that because he's not an offensive threat but um still you got to get more from those three guys uh, if you're wanting to win a game, Rob really is the only reason why we stuck in it because he had dang near half of our points, uh, 26 on, let's see, 11 for 17 shooting, three of six from the three-point line. So um, got to have some more production here from somebody else. Uh, no Kenny White, again, we assume. Um, so where's it going to be? Who's going to step up? All right, guys, so you guys were both in the attendance the last time we played SIU. Unfortunately, uh, me and one of our daughters were under the weather, so we were at home with her. Um, but wanted to pose a question to you guys. You know, uh, Brian Moore, a guy who's really started to come along a little bit over the past few weeks, uh, was not in attendance, uh, kind of like me, uh, for that game and was was out of pocket uh, due to some different illnesses and things there. Um, so really wanted to pose the question to you guys is, is do you think that he could be a difference maker in this game? And and if so, you know, what that really looks like for this racer team. And or if you agree with me, I think that he actually can be uh, as far as changing the pace of the game. SIU likes to play really slow. Brian Moore does not. So um, just really trying to see your guys' thoughts being in the gym after seeing them firsthand. Yeah, after seeing how Brian Moore has improved over the past few games, I think it's definitely obvious that his presence would have helped, um, given that this was only a few weeks ago. But you look back at the box score, Jacoby had to play 39 minutes. I'm not saying that's why he missed all of his shots, but uh, – Fatigue definitely plays a factor, and that's the game right after Christmas. So um, having somebody to give him a breather would have definitely been helpful. Um, but, yeah, and also on the other end, he's having to help pick up the slack and guard Lance Jones as well, who gave us 21 points. So definitely, absolutely. Um, Brian Moore, especially on the defensive end, could give us a, a big boost and allow us to not get torched by Lance Jones again, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, Sawyer, and I'll even tie it to a point you mentioned. You know, you said that uh, you kept hammering last week about the 70 points. That's kind of the 
point the racers need to get to. And, you know, looking at it, SIU only averages 67 points per game on the year. Uh, so maybe that's, you know, I'm no mathematician, but 70 is greater than 67, I believe. And so uh, maybe Brian Moore is a guy who can get you to that 70 points if, uh, you know, they're not as skilled in the post. I don't even know if Belmont's skilled in the post, but, um, you know, they're they're more of a guard-led team. So maybe uh, they don't have that help down low that kind of threw Brian off his game maybe a little bit against Belmont. So I think that that is uh, maybe an opportunity for Brian to shine a little bit. And then I guess the last point, uh, guys, I wanted to make with SIU um, – it's kind of been it's kind of been told this year that we've played so many new teams and you know we've got in the OVC and it's like okay you know what you're going to get out of an SIU Edwardsville you know what you're going to get out of a Tennessee Tech or or whoever it is but now uh, this SIU game will be the first uh, double I don't even know the right word to say but it's like the first time we played a team twice this year so how do we respond to that I think it's going to be a great challenge for our players and our coaching staff you know um what, what's it look like game prep from a team you've already seen this year so i am really interested on how tuesday goes because it may kind of give us the tea leaves for the rest of the year are we able to take what we've learned from from game one we really struggled to score they really played damask one-on-one and, and let him make a lot of plays we had to help on damask a lot he was able to really find uh, a lot of open shooters for, for them in, in key critical moments. So how do we take that, go into a hostile environment like the Banterra Center and, uh, you know, make the adjustments needed to come out with a win this time, I think will be will be key for the racers. All right, guys, that that's a lot of talk on this episode. Uh, seems like we've, we've covered a lot in the landscape of racer basketball. Um, there, there's been uh, – a lot that's happened. Another thing that that came out this week, and and I wanted to mention because when we had Nico on a, a few weeks ago, or I guess a couple months ago now, back around Thanksgiving, and this is something he kind of teased and was like, "Guys, this is coming, and that's going to be the the Dennis Jackson Jackson Leadership Program uh, for our our student athletes." And uh, to me, this is an A plus opportunity. You know. Like I always I said back then is you always re, uh, that commercial, that enterprise commercial always sticks with me. It's like 90 percent of college athletes goes pro in something other than sports. And, and this is going to be really key to set up our students for success. I mean, all three of us have been successful students from from Murray State University. And we were all able to to work with especially you two guys, uh, uh, partners in the community. Uh, in Murray, Kentucky, uh, while we were in school to to build up our uh, resumes and different things like that. But, you know, that's we were students and didn't commit tens and tens of hours a week uh, to to college athletics. So having a program like this, it's it's going to let uh, let them have micro internships and mentoring mentorship with with folks out in the community. Um, resume building career hiring events is going to be a plus so hopefully we can get nico back on the podcast to to kind of pump that a little bit more to 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 let let our fan base know you know we want to win basketball games but we also want to win in life so i think that's really important especially from the news uh that that's kind of come out over the last week we want to set our our young men and women up for success after they leave murray state yeah really really love this this new idea and 
And I think that also you made a great point there at the very end. Um, and, and something that, that I wanted to, to bring around at some point it was about what campaign mentioned this weekend about how coach Prome and his program is built on making men, you know, you get to Murray state and you're, you're kind of a young man. And, and then when you, once you're, once you're graduated or you go in the lottery and cams cams case, you leave, you know, as a man. And this is what this, this, this program will do. Uh, I got to be, be a part of some of the initial conversations around the NIL uh, structure at Murray State, and this was pre-NICO, uh, and these conversations were going on with Coach Prome um, then. I know this is specifically a Murray State men's basketball podcast, so I guess I'll try to keep it in that landscape, but this was on Coach Prome's radar before he even took the job, uh, making sure that he had his guys and the guys that he was bringing in had the opportunity to connect with with business people in Murray. And that's why I mentioned this whole episode is that racial nation is different. And uh, we have so many willing people in our community. that are going to just grasp onto this uh, and really take it and run with it. And what it's going to do is it's going to be able to retain a lot of this talent um, that would normally go to like Austin, St. Louis or, or Nashville or bigger metropolitan cities where uh, there's just different, you know, different things going on there where they've got bigger recruiters and things of that nature. But if you've got that, that in um, with some of the, the businesses locally in town, you're going to have a much better chance of retaining some of that talent. Uh, and, and I think that's just an awesome thing. And and what this is going to do is just help build stronger relationships within Racer Nation. It's going to help build the athletic program even further. Uh, it's just such a great thing on so many different facets. And I'm really, really excited to see you know what it looks like and how it takes off and really what it can do uh, for the athletic program. So very excited from all angles with this. And I think it's going to be a tremendous thing for Racer Athletics. One final thing we wanted to touch on before we send everybody out is just to give uh, an incredible shout out to the Murray State women's team. They're playing fantastic in their uh, inaugural year in the Missouri Valley with with the men's team and and Caitlin Young, you know, just the driving force and, and, and the star of their team has just been, kept winning award after award, uh, stemming from the 43 point uh, game she had against Drake on the road um, up in Iowa a few weeks back and. And, and this racer team was really rolling, dominated Belmont by 18 a few weeks ago uh, and really, you know, again, dominated Bradley on Sunday, uh, beating them by 35 at home. Uh, something you don't really see in the Missouri Valley Conference on the on, any, on the women's side or the men's side. And, and it's something I want to encourage our fans to go and do uh, is to go and check out the post game um post-game interview that they had with Coach Turner after the game. She is so passionate uh, and so careful and so considerate with her program and how she's made so many changes and her fire uh, and her spark um, around that the program is just second to none. Uh, it was extremely impressive. If you haven't gone back and watched it, it's six or seven minutes, nothing that's going to take up too much of your time. Uh, it's just a, you can pop it on your drive to work. You are going to be you're going to leave absolutely fired up. And that's why I think that, you know, they're having so much success. They've changed the culture of the women's program. They're going to be fighting uh, for an MVC title from uh, from here on out. And and I think that, uh, you know, you better get your tickets now to uh, to their tournament because I think they got a really great shot to, to be the last one standing. So shout out to our women. They're doing fantastic things on and off the court. Uh, the culture there is fantastic. If you haven't been to a women's game this year, I encourage you to go. We, we've struggled to find – you know, true racer brand, racer basketball in the CFSB Center this year. Well, if you haven't seen it, it's probably because you haven't been there on Wednesdays or Sunday afternoons because that's where it's being played. The women love to get up and down, shoot threes, play in transition. They're blocking shots, getting steals, uh, finishing it around, around the basket, but also, like I said, knocking down lots of threes. They're so exciting to watch. They're very deep. Uh, if you haven't been able to check out this women's team, you have to do so uh, in a hurry. So shout out to the women's team.
I could back up Sawyer sales pitch there, uh, sales pitch to go to the women's game. So I did, I did get to go to one uh, back when we were home o- over Christmas. And like you said, I think I texted you guys. I was like, now this is racers basketball right here because like you said they play hard, um, they play with a lot of energy, and and, and it is fun fun to watch for sure. So um, they've got Southern Illinois Friday night. If you're in in the coming in uh, to to watch the racers on Saturday. Uh, go the night before and watch them play play the Salukis. So um, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Go see Sawyer. He's signing autographs Friday night at the women's game. <laughs> Absolutely, <right>. not. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, guys, I think that's going to be enough for us this episode. Uh, like we said, we had a lot to talk about, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. So hopefully the racers can turn over a new leaf and and keep us keep keep it going and uh, you know actually put together 40 minutes of basketball because. That's what it's going to take Saturday to, to beat Indiana State and and you know really effort yes and really put us back on on the right path of the Missouri Valley I, I think uh, myself included it's like uh, already packing it in for the season but the guys were were two games out of first place in the Missouri Valley Conference with a lot of basketball still left to be played so uh, right now's the time uh, a huge home game coming up where are the racers going to plant their flag. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can see them light it up from the field and uh, come out on top. So, guys, uh, as always, we appreciate you listening. Appreciate you sticking around with us. Uh, we know you've got a lot of other ways you can spend your time on your drive in or or however you do it. And and thank you all for, for listening uh, to, to us and our silly opinions. And and thank you for interacting with us as always on on Twitter as that's kind of become I feel like our space We're kind of like. The guys you go to for Murray State basketball on Twitter, so uh, that's a lot of lot of responsibility for Logan as he he typically sends out the tweets, right? So um, love it as always. Love love everyone listening, and, and please share it with a friend if you can. And, and Sawyer, send us off. Go racers! Go racers! Go racers! Murray State, stand up! Home squad, stand up! Anyone who's in the CFSB, stand up! It's time to take these questions that have been asked to get them. MVC.